I was shaking. That achy feeling that is part dread, part expectation, like the silent green darkness of a sky before a tornado. I made a decision to shop for makeup and clothes. I made the decision to press place order. I made the decision to pick up the order from the mailroom. Yet somehow, the decision to wear them was staggering, painful, terrorizing. It started by locking the door. I knelt in front of the mirror, a prayer to my future self, swiping on foundation, hands trembling, steadying them, adding liner, mascara, closing my eyes and tucking my hair into a brunette wig with curtain bangs, refusing to catch my own eyes in the mirror, standing in the middle of an empty floor, letting the dress fall over my head and around me. I looked like me for the first time. This is Girl Found. Have you ever curled your toes into plush carpet, covered in a blanket on the sofa at one in the morning? Felt home? But were you in a stolen home that everyone swore you'd never get out of alive? I was. And it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for me to be in a locked closet and wear someone else's face everywhere else. So I planned a trip to San Francisco to visit my aunt. She could have lived in Jackson, Mississippi for all I care. I still would have wandered around the city as me while she was at work. I was terrified, but I was determined. I remember the day in photos. Broadway from the rain clinging windows of City Lights booksellers. Golden Gate Park benches. And the wind sharing in my secret. The Sausalito Ferry, an absolute freedom. The world tasted different, like I was waking up. Home wasn't a place. It was in the mirror. But this day wasn't only altruism. I still didn't know the word transgender. I knew the word crossdresser, spoken with a shudder or a laugh. I knew all the arguments against what I was doing, and I knew not a single argument for except that it felt good, and my entire psyche had been groomed to believe that anything that felt good was not to be trusted. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I repeated that day three times, but while I was growing and learning, life was becoming more painful, intolerable, while I was still isolated and spurned on campus, there was a meeting called of the whole student body. The dean of the school went up in front of us and said, We called you here to get ahead of rumors, which are sure to fly soon. Isabel and Jay, pseudonyms of course, have been asked to leave the student body. They had interactions, which the scriptures are very clear in reserving for married couples. Any interactions with them in the future should be in a corrective and redemptive context. There was never any talk about love, only condemnation thinly veiled as redemption. And redemption from what? Panting in a darkened room, 
exploring human connection, finding an anchor in an isolated sea of the very condemnation they'd received in the end. In that room, I knew that I needed to get out. It was urgent. It was necessary. Critical. I needed to get out, and if I didn't, I would forever be lost from myself. I didn't know where I'd go next, how I'd pay for it, who would ever love me for who I was, but wherever I went, I would be free to speak to anyone I wanted, to have communication with the world and with my loved ones, and to have possession over my own privacy. As I packed up my suitcase at the end of 2016, I hid my other self among my clothes. I knew that Evan wasn't gone forever. She was hiding, closeted away, and she was a person who'd been waiting to break free her whole life, and she would be a part of every chapter after. There's more to this story, so keep listening through this short break. Welcome back to Girl Found. I'm Evan, and today I actually have Caroline sitting in with me. Hi. And uh, we're interviewing Austin, uh, my brother, and the first sibling that I've interviewed. Uh, so, yeah, buckle up. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> um, so, I guess we'll dive right in. Um, the past few weeks, I've been talking about my time coming back from Weimar and trying to adjust back to living uh, with uh, Eric and Anne-Marie and some of the adjustments that that required. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the time while I was away? Um, so basically from the time that you moved to Asheville, um, all the time that I came back from Weimar the second time. So yeah, um, okay, 2017. Hmm. Yeah. Honestly, there wasn't much happening that was anything significant around that time. Um, it was a little bit weird fitting in with the new church group um, for the parents' church. Um, just because when we first moved there, I was for some reason automatically popular. Um, I was just a tiny punk 13 year old. So I have no idea why, but I was. <laughs> and so it was really easy to find friends right off the bat. But within a year or so, all of that was reversed. Um, and I was ostracized by a lot of people. Um, whether it was intentional or not, I have no idea. Um, I'm chill with a lot of those people now, but um yeah so I would say that as far as with our parents went the only 
significant thing about that time was that there was a lot of pressure for me to go to Fletcher Academy. Um, and not the parents were very from other no no from church members (laughs) (laughs) they were very staunch in keeping me homeschooled um and the reasoning behind that was north carolina has free dual enrollment you stay as a homeschooler you can do free college which was very exciting but also for a 14 year old 15 year old um was not at the top of my list of priorities um you know, as an early high schooler, and I guess 2017, I would have been in my junior year. So um, my focus was trying to figure out where I belonged in the world. Um, And at that point in time, it really seemed like my place of belonging was at home in my bedroom doing schoolwork from 9am till 10pm. So that's, that's really what my life consisted of during that period of time was um, talking to online academy friends over FaceTime, um, a couple of whom I was forced to stop talking to because they were female, um, and doing schoolwork for basically the entire day. Now, this might be a silly question, but why ever would you be forced to stop talking to somebody because they were a female? <laughs> so, um... I was not allowed to date until I graduated high school, and I was, quote unquote, strongly encouraged not to date until I graduated with my bachelor's degree. Um, And so there were several people, actually, during that time that I was forced to stop talking to because our communication appeared too flirty. Uh, The parents had access to all of my electronic devices, all of my text messages, I didn't have social media, so they didn't have access to that. Um, But whenever they would see something that was a little bit too flirty um, or even just a little too friendly for that matter, uh, they would shut it down completely and not let me talk to that person. So I was actually just talking about this with one of those people um, a couple months ago. And she was basically asking me what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And this was after all of that shit went down when I moved out and all of that. Um, And we've talked a little bit since then. And so I told her a little bit more of the family dynamic and she goes, wow. She says, I have problems with my parents, but we respect each other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we were talking about the fact that there was literally nothing romantic between the two of us. Um, Mm -hmm. Neither of us ever had a crush on the other. And so we were both confused as hell as to why that got shut down Um, because we were honestly really good for both of each other too. Like we both grew so much as individuals while we were talking and we've grown a lot to get together as friends since then. Um, But yeah, we were, we were trying to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of relationships um, and friendships, I moved back uh, to North Carolina uh, Christmas of 2016. So really mm-hmm. just as 2017 is beginning. Right about um, the time I started doing enrollment. Yes. Tell me about that time. Um, <laughs> th- this time that I'm kind of back in the picture. Um, for the benefit of our 
dear listeners, but also because I feel like I missed a lot of the nuances mm. of what were go- what was going on at the same time. Yeah, um, I always felt pretty close to you, um, probably because we're so different personality-wise goes. Um, <laughs> so I was really excited when you came back from Weimar. Um, it was good to have you back, and it was also good to have another body in the house um because one thing that i noticed when you were gone was that when it was just aaron and me there was a lot of scrutiny um it was it was a continuous focus on one or the other of us so the more bodies the more buffer right so aaron would have some shit going on and she'd she'd get screamed at for a few days Um, and then I would do something and they would forget about Aaron and I would get screamed at for a few days and it would go back and forth like that. And then when you came home, there was one more person and the attention was divided a little bit more. Um, (laughs) so I was, I was really happy to see you and I felt like I got more freedom when you came back. Um, that was also the time when I started dual enrollment. And so I was I, I was basically done with high school. I was doing one class each semester for high school, just to, just to tell the state that I was still in high school and get that free college. Um, so I was on campus at Blue Ridge um, pretty much all day, every day. Um, because even when I wasn't in class, I would just do my homeschool homework um, on campus. So I, it, it was my first time where I was actually out of the house for any significant amount of time each day and I was starting to see what freedom was actually like (laughs) um so I I would say that that was probably the beginning of an eye-opening time for me um Mm. I had a classmate in my nursing classes that and that was a whole whole thing because <laughs> I tell people now that nursing was not my first career choice and people go, um, well, what did you want to do? I was like, well, I didn't know because I wasn't allowed to go to any college that we didn't live near because I still had to live at home. Um, and the only half decent program or programs, I should say, at Blue Ridge were nursing and sign language interpreting. Mm-hmm. And you were sign language was Aaron's to... thing, <laughs> yeah. and nursing just made sense because the whole family is medical. So I never really had a choice with it. And now the parents will be like, "Well, we never forced you into nursing," and I'll say, "No, but what other options did I have?" Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, <laughs> that was a whole rabbit trail. Um, <laughs> I had this one classmate that. Um, was getting into music recording at the same time that I was getting into music recording. And I remember wanting to do, it was right as The Greatest Showman came out. Um, And I remember wanting to do a cover of Rewrite the Stars because it's just a really pretty song. Um, And so I asked her to record it with me, but I had to take my recording stuff to Blue Ridge's campus in my backpack to record it because it was a secular a romantic b song and i knew that if the parents figured out that i recorded this they would hound me for it (laughs) um which is fucked up we'll just we'll just say that and leave it there um (laughs) 
So I was really starting to see like, oh, there's a lot going on here. And not necessarily that I was seeing what was going on per se, but I was seeing that there was something wrong with it. Hmm. Because I was used to having to do things like that to adjust to hide how I lived my life, but I didn't realize that it was abnormal to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, This was also the time when the period of time when you were living in Hendersonville um, and Aaron and I went over to watch The Greatest Showman with you. Um, And we got home and got an entire lecture on why The Greatest Showman is a form of, um, what's it called? The Gnostic Gospel. (laughs) Um. (laughs) wait i i even forgot that aaron and i watched it together yeah the funny thing is when we got home she was she was taking the parents side with it going it's you know every everything you need like the the show is everything you'll ever need what (laughs) um so, and I honestly have no idea how she feels about The Greatest Showman now, but <laughs> just one more, one more thing. Of, and I was sitting there going, that was a perfectly normal movie. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it lines up with your conservative Christian theology or not, maybe by 16 years old, 17 years old, you should have enough common sense and logical thinking to be able to decide if you want to endorse like if you want to change your beliefs to fit something else Mm. so i was starting to go maybe this isn't a matter of keeping me safe and it's more a matter of keeping me under control um Mm. same thing when i tried to go to fletcher um we actually met with a bunch of people from Fletcher to see if it was possible. And the excuse that they gave for me not being allowed to go was money. Um, the, the reasoning they gave was after scholarships and everything. Grant, now, let me, let me back up and say that Fletcher is, I think, about $20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. After scholarships, they were going to have to pay $100 a month per school mm-hmm. year for me to go, which is jack shit (laughs) um yeah so the money was the reason that they gave for me not being allowed to go and the other reason was the bible teacher um and i think you know who i'm talking about i won't say his name though um (laughs) and their reasoning was he teaches weird theology and his son is out of control and i said guys you have been my pastor my entire life You've been my Bible teacher my entire life. I said, do you really not believe in the things that you've taught me and my ability to think critically and throw out whatever he says that's wrong? Hmm. So So, a lot of the issues that you're dealing with as you're coming to an awakening that our family is not like other families that that there are some major underlying issues here that are beyond just Mm -hmm. regular family conflict. A lot of it revolves around the fact that as you're coming into your own, you're realizing that your parents don't trust you, but they also don't Mm -hmm. trust whatever influence they've had on you so far. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what they've told me over and over as far as reasons why I couldn't do certain things was we don't want you making the same mistakes we made. 
And so I really think that there's, yeah, it was a lack of trust in me and themselves. Um, I feel like they've felt like they've failed on a lot of things. Um, and they are terrified that they didn't ingrain the truth into each one of us enough. Hmm. Which means that they don't believe in free will. Mm -hmm. So just to make a quick point here for our listeners who might not know, uh, Fletcher Academy is a local boarding academy um, in Asheville. So what that means is uh, it's denominational. It's a private, um, well, it's technically a private high school, but it extends grades even lower than that, um, thanks to its affiliation with other schools. And just to be um, clear, not only are they a boarding academy, but they also have village students as well. So the correct. issue of me not being able to go was not because I'd be in a dorm. Um, that that was off the table. That wasn't even a part of the equation. Correct. <laughs> and just to make a point here, all of this distrust and unwillingness to be a part of something, the funny thing is that this this thing that they're talking about is, in fact, a religious institution of the religion that they are part of exactly (laughs) um and there's there's that amount of distrust here that's been ingrained in us for quite some time so uh that note aside um i want to talk about the next chapter of your life Hmm. um so at this point, you know, there, there's a little bit of overlap here. Um, I have not talked about this in the narrative portion yet, but <laughs> I'm living in Greenville now. Yeah. Um, and life is, is starting to become more stable for me. Um, but life nice. is... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was still not nice, but it was mm-hmm. a little less horrible than it had been up till that point. Right. Um, this is... 2018 um 2019 um so as life is becoming more stable for me it's becoming a little less stable for you Mm -hmm. um can you talk about like the the second half of 17 for you and the age 17 and and Mm -hmm. kind of what's happening in your life at this point yeah um winter semester of the I guess it would be the 1819 school year. Um, I was even more full-time on campus at Blue Ridge. Um, and well, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> November, <laughs> November of 18. Um, this girl followed me on Instagram and DM'd me and said, I've seen you around Fletcher. Um, I'm putting together a band for the Fletcher Church for this weekend. Um, and I'm still missing a guitar player. And I've, I see on your Instagram that you play guitar. And I was wondering if you would want to be part of that band. Hmm. And so I was like, sure, why not? So then um, we kind of just started talking um, on that DM thread as we were talking about practice times and whatever. And I was like, I think I've seen you around too, but we've never actually met. So hi, I'm Austin. Um, just, yeah, anyway. Um, And so we kind of start flirting a little bit and just messing around. And so (laughs) as you do when you're 17. Right. I mean, like a random girl DMs you, what are you going to (laughs) say? So 
after maybe two weeks of talking, um, which, to be honest, is kind of long for a 17-year-old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after, like, two weeks, um, I was like, you know, you're cute. I like you. Um, whatever. And that lasted maybe a week before I went, oh, shit, my parents have access to my phone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And this was the same, same pattern that happened when I was 16 with a girl where I was talking to her, um, just messing around. We were calling each other cute, whatever. um, And the parents got a hold of my phone and they were like, what the hell? You're calling a girl cute. Um, And I lost access to my phone for like two months or something. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Nice. So I was like, um, I, I texted um, the girl and I, we're chill now. I'm assuming that she'll be okay with me using her name. Um, <laughs> so I texted Caitlin um, and I said, look, I need to call this off. Like, whatever this is, no. Um, <laughs> and I gave some cryptic thing about like, um, I recognize a pattern in my own life and I don't want to go down that road again. And some some bullshit reason um wow she was like she was like what the hell um (laughs) same (laughs) and so we didn't talk for a good four months or so um so then fast forward to march of 2019 um i was visiting a friend of ours henry johnson staying at his house for the weekend um and I don't even remember how it happened, but Caitlin and I started DMing again. No, no, I remember now. I followed her back on Instagram. I had her blocked before. I followed her again. Um, and she like freaked out. She told me later that she saw the notification and she showed it to one of her, our mutual friends. And she was like, what do I do with this? <laughs> and so- um, As you do. Right, right. So we started talking again somehow. Um, and we ended up having a FaceTime call until 6 a.m. One of the nights that I was at Henry's place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, I've really missed you. Like, what if we actually tried to make this work? And I explained why it hadn't worked in November. And first of all, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a dumbass. Um, so we were like, could this, could this work? Could we make it work? And so I talked to Henry the next morning and I was like, I know that I will get shit on by my parents if I do something like this. What do I do? Mm. And Henry's advice to me, I to this day don't know exactly what he meant by this. And I think that that was why he said it like this, because he wanted me to me to decide what I did with this situation. But what he said was, um live your life in the shadows until either your parents can accept how you live your life or you're in a position to live your life that way publicly and so the way i took that whether he meant it this way or not was don't worry about telling your parents about the relationship just live your life and then you you can tell them about it when either they'll accept the relationship or you're in a position where they don't have any say over that. Mm-hmm. So being a month away from my birthday, I was like, I'll just wait till I'm 18. Um, <laughs> and so Caitlin and I dated for a month with only like our two or three closest friends knowing about it. Um, 
she came to my birthday party, my 18th birthday party, along with like four other friends. And no one knew there, no one there knew that we were dating. <laughs> um, so April 3rd, the night before my birthday, I sat my parents down. <laughs> and I was like, guys, there's this person. Um, I'm not asking you if I can date her, but I'm telling you out of respect for you that I am. Um, and I hope that that's something that you can be okay with. I was like, you met her at the birthday party. Don't say that you don't know her. Don't use that as an excuse. <laughs> um, and their response was, let us think about it. Um, which has never been a good sign. It, it's always turned into, let's give us some time to formulate our arguments and formulate how we're going to control you. Um, mm -hmm. And so that the two of them can get their stories straight. Mm -hmm. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> um, I was like, all right, that's fine, whatever. Um, and so that was like a Thursday or Friday night, I think. And by the end of the weekend, they sat me down. No, actually, it was Saturday night that they sat me down. And they said, we thought about it. And here's what we're gonna do. Um, they said, you're 18. We can't force you not to date someone because you're a legal adult. Um, but they said, you live under our roof and we pay for your phone plan and we pay for the Wi-Fi. So we're going to take your phone, which by the way, I bought my phone with cash. We're going to take your iPad. I bought my iPad with cash. We're going to take your computer. I bought my computer with cash. Anyway, we're going to take all those, mm -hmm. those three things. We're going to cut your phone line and we're going to change the Wi-Fi password. Mm -hmm. Um, if you would like to communicate with someone, we have a landline phone, um, write down any phone numbers you're going to need right now. Um, and you can use that phone in a public place with no doors closed. And you know, it's, I it's said, funny. fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny that it, basically what you're describing is we can't force you to do this. So instead we're going to make your life hell until you exactly. decide that it's not what you want. And at that point in time, because of the drama going on with the kids at the church, I had no community where I lived. Mm -hmm. I had that one classmate at Blue Ridge and then everything else was online. And I was also in a really shitty mental place at that point in time. And I was suicidal. And I was like, you take my one form of community mm -hmm. and I'm going to be dead in two months. And they were saying that at the end of two months when I went to camp as a staff, that would be when I got my phone back. Mm -hmm. And I said, I will be dead before I leave for camp. And they said, if you're suicidal, come talk to us. Um, that, was the only, that was the only thing that they gave me to fix that problem. Um, and so that's the point at which I texted Christopher Beeson, which funny enough, I um, had a texting app on my phone that I had used for pranks before, like years before. And I somehow still had it. And so I texted him from that so that it wouldn't show up on my phone plan. Um, mm. So I texted him and I said, I need to get out right now. Um, can I live with you? And he was like, sure thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I called you and I was like, I need, I need you to come get me. Mm. So April 7, three days after I turned 18, I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um... Do you have any questions so far that you want to add, Caroline? I don't think so. This this feels 
right on track with what I remember <laughs> as well. So that's yeah, because you guys because, were yeah, um, recently together at that yeah. point. Yeah. We had, what year is this? Okay, so this is like the first spring we had spent together. Yes. Yeah, spring of 19. Yeah. Because I, are we going to talk about the whole you going to get him yes. situation? Yeah. Oh, like, shit. Really I forgot funny. about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So within a very short period of time, and we'll talk about this more um, in when we get to it in the narrative section. Mm-hmm. But um, within a very short time, um, Caroline and I were driving back to her apartment where I was living at the time. Um, and we found a, a dog, a stray. Um, oh God, I wasn't even going to talk about the stray oh, dog. But see, to me, it's so important. <laughs> it is. It really is. Um, so Oliver. Yes. So I picked really? up who I named later Oliver. Uh, he had been stray for quite a while. He needed a good home. I did the best I could with him. I took him to the vet. I washed him like five times. You I did so much with him. that dog. Like I, I really wanted him to do well. Um, and I started putting out feelers for um, people to take him because, you know, I wasn't exactly in the position to have a dog at that point, um, especially one that needed training. Uh, and so he was less than a year old. Yes. Yeah. Very young. I think he had been astray his entire life, so he's not potty trained. Um, and so I started reaching out to people to see who would be willing to take him. And Eric and Anne-Marie said that they wanted to take him. Um, and so I drove, we drove up there, Caroline and I. <laughs> Mind that this is the first time I have met Eric and Anne with yes. this dog situation yeah of the two times i have met them mm-hmm. this was <laughs> this was the first and i was terrified mm-hmm. to meet them so I, we brought the dog up i didn't say this is my girlfriend i didn't say this is my friend like i literally we just showed up and when i brought the dog and they showed up i said this is Caroline. And in most families, in most normal families, that would be enough for parents to go, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, hi, Caroline. Um, right, but no. Caroline. <laughs> yeah, but no. Um, so anyway, this debacle with the dog ended up being that Eric didn't like the dog, so he was going to give it to a shelter, and he didn't care if it was a no-kill or not. Um, oh, really? I didn't know about this. Yeah. So I said, um, I have a connection that's wanting to take the dog, so I'll come up and get it. So I came and got the dog again and brought it back. Um, and uh, it, just to save it from the shelter, because I didn't want it to go through that experience. Um, and then they got upset because... Um, they found out that that fell through and they wanted the dog. And I'm like, no, you were going to give it to a shelter. Um, so anyway, I was already, and, and this was the latest chapter in the saga of conflict between them, between them and me, even though I was still maintaining contact or attempting to, um, things were strained to begin with. Um, 
And I couldn't show up without some look of disappointment as to my lifestyle or who I was. I mean, all four um, of us are disappointments, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And literally days before, I had spent hours on the phone with Anne-Marie um, standing up for myself for the first time ever. And I will talk a lot more about this later um, in a Good different episode. You. <laughs> Thanks. But it was it was a phone conversation where I literally told her, fuck you, for the first time ever for telling me what my priorities were in life and Mm -hmm. and why I was making the choices that I was and I said that it's a it's insulting quite frankly um and so it was the first time where I said these are the boundaries you're not crossing them ever again and if you want a relationship with me here are the terms and I was there for this conversation you were all I remember is her like sobbing yes and trying to like pull sympathy and It just being like yeah, I was I was in the same room as her during the conversation. Oh, I remember. Oh, good. Yeah. So glad we were all there. Perfect. Right. Um. <laughs> so that was less than a week. Family bonding. <laughs> <laughs> that was less than a week before your 18th birthday. So in right. that context, can you tell us about the time surrounding your 18th and what happened afterwards? Yeah. You specifically talking about when you came to pick me up? Yes. Okay, um, so I was going to tell them um, that I was moving out. Um, I am a little bitch, and <laughs> <laughs> and I chickened out. Um, and so, and and the reason behind that is I was scared. I was scared that they would do something stupid um, mm-hmm. when I told them. And so I texted you, and I said hey, we're going to this concert at Blue Ridge right now. We'll be back at this time. Is it okay if I tell them while you're there? Mm -hmm. And um, you said yes, but I'm pretty sure on your end you were going, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was like, oh, right, round three. Here we go. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you get there, um, and... I can't remember what the excuse. Oh, no. Your excuse for coming by was I was in town and I just thought I would drop by for dinner because Mm -hmm. we were sitting down to eat right as you walked Mm in. Um, And they were honestly really happy. They were like, oh, my God, Evan's here for dinner. Um, (laughs) So we ate dinner. Um, I don't think that it was awkward. It felt extremely awkward to me because I knew what was coming. but I don't think there was anything super weird about that dinner. Um, and uh, I bet I, I changed it my was, mind on that. The weirdest was thing was strange. that you got up and started doing the dishes after we ate. Um, and that's not because you don't work, but it's just because like you weren't in your house and <laughs> we were okay, just sitting points. around the table talking and you just stood up and started doing the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> it was strained because we had just had that fight and we hadn't talked since then. Uh-huh. Um, but everyone was polite and cordial. And you know this, Caroline knows this. I feel like everyone <laughs> knows this about me, but when I am stressed or uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially when people are mad or about to be mad at me, I am impulsively clean. Compulsively right. clean. <laughs> because whenever Anne-Marie was angry, the best way to fix that was to make the house spotless. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. So while you're doing the dishes, um, I'm sitting there going, I'm going to die. <laughs> and you look over and you're like, so Austin, did you have something you wanted to tell everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Which I, is a, I'm going. It's a, it's a bitch move, but yeah, it's what I needed though. <laughs> so internally I'm going, fuck you, but also thank you. Um, <laughs> so I told the parents, I said, um, I said, I've been thinking since our conversation on Saturday night, this was Sunday afternoon. So last night, um, and I've come to the conclusion that while I live under your roof, there are certain rules and expectations that I am expected to follow because you own the place in which I live. And I said, that's fair. I can't argue with that. I said, however, I think that we've both seen that the way I expect to live my life and the way you expect to live or expect me to live my life are very different. And you have a set of uh, morals that I don't necessarily have. Um, And so I said, because of that, I think that it's best for me to find somewhere else to live. Um, And at this point, um and just like starts sobbing uncontrollably and asking why that was that was really the only thing she said that entire evening was why um and eric gets up and storms out and slams the door mm-hmm. and i was like well this is fun um <laughs> and so i get up to go get my stuff from my room um and Anne goes where are you going and i said to get my stuff. She goes, oh, so you're leaving now. <laughs> and I was like, I, if I remember correctly, word for word, I said, why do you think Evan's here right now? Oof. Ouch. And because sometimes you're a little bit blind. Um, and so she was like, I, I don't think she said anything. She just kept sobbing. Um, mm-hmm. So by the time that whole exchange went down um, and I got to my room, Eric was in my room um, and he was coming out of the doorway as I was coming in and you were following me to my room. Mm-hmm. And he's got his hands in his belt behind him. Mm-hmm. And A, I'm trying to figure out why the hell he was in my room in the first place. And mm-hmm. B, I'm also trying to figure out what's in his pants. Yes. And I don't want to know what's in I'm his pants, very you know concerned. what I mean. Yes. <laughs> And so I go, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. I said, what's in your belt? And he says, why don't you ask Evan what's in his belt? Sorry for the misgender there. It's okay. Just quoting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, what? And he goes, Evan, what's in your belt? And you very calmly and collectively go, my gun. You're not touching it. You're not. You're not showing it. Your shirt was a little tight, and so it was. You could see the outline of it. I had a. Um, I, yeah, I had a bad footprint, but it's not. Right. It's not unusual. You weren't, they knew that I consistently had mm-hmm. it. You weren't flaunting it or anything like that. Um, and I go. Evan is always carrying the gun. It doesn't matter. And I said, "What I need you to do." is step out of my room because I need to get my stuff. Mm. And, um, oh, and when when you said that you, it was your gun on your waist, he goes, see? Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> so I said, will you please tell me what's in your belt? Mm-hmm. And he says, your journal. I was trying to figure out why the hell you would want to move out. And I said, I will tell you why I want to move out. As I told you earlier when I told you I was mm-hmm. going to move out. I said, I'm I'd moving like out. to point out the concern here is that he comes out of the back with his hand stuck in his belt. Right. And he had been talking about getting his concealed weapons. And we already unpredictable tendencies. So there was mm-hmm. a very valid concern at the time that he was going to walk out and threaten and, right. and wave a firearm around. Right. And so I said, I've told you why I wanted to move out. And that is because you expect me to live a certain way and place ultimatums on my life that I've already told you are making me suicidal. And I would rather stay alive and be healthy than living according to a false allegiance to your morals and your, your lifestyle. Um, so at that point, I just like moved around him through the doorway and got my stuff. Um, as we were leaving, he was on the phone with the police um, because you were on the premises and he had told you to leave um, and you were just waiting for me. Um, so he was calling the police to, to get them there, to get you off. Um, and so at that point, as soon as we left the house, he cut both of our cell phone lines. Um, because even though like you were paying for your line, you were still on their plan. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was just on their plan. Mm -hmm. Um, so he cut both of our phone lines as we were leaving the house. Um, I wanted to tell Caitlin what was going on, um, Mm -hmm. because she had, she knew that that it was going to happen, but she didn't know like what was happening currently. Um, and you also told Caroline that you would call her as soon as we got on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Caroline, I imagine you were freaking the hell out. <laughs> I was very much unwell. Very much unwell. Um, because I had like been tracking Evan's location the whole time. And I actually ah. um She has uh texts from I, that day. I have the text from that day. Ooh, nice. Um and- I just like to point out um a, a key part um in this is that um as we were leaving we were trying to go because we were getting your stuff and all of that stuff um eric was on the line with the police department right um and he was um he was basically calling them there was some element of calling them because i was a threat um the call Mm -hmm. was against me um and I knew that even though nothing had happened and he was at fault because I was the only person in that house who had a weapon, even though it was the weapon that I carried on me all the time and was legal to do so. um, The minute they showed up with me as the one with a weapon, I would be like, right. Things would not go well. Um, And so I said, we need to get out of here right away. Yeah. So my text from that evening start, um, it, it was contact. Oh, you have April. them pulled up. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'm a digital hoarder, Austin. I have everything. <laughs> um, it's April 7th, 2019 at 5.34 p.m. And I get a text from Evan that says, I'm sitting at the park around the corner from the house until he's ready. He wants me to be there when he tells him. 
Um, I say, okay. I say, I love you. Evan says, I love you too. And then at 6.06, I send a follow-up text and say, are you okay? And then at 6.25, I send another text that says, will you let me know when you're on your way home? And then at 6.54, I send another text. And then at um, 7.41, I get a text from Evan that says, hey, they cut my phone line because they had all my info for it, made it home safe, going to the Sprint store. And I said, holy fucking shit. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So it uh, was two hours. I thought it was around there. Yeah. Yeah. And then traffic was bad as mm-hmm. well. Like it was, and we also Evan... went to the Verizon store for me before Sprint for you. Yes, mm-hmm. I that next message, the seven o'clock message um, about them cutting the phone line was yeah. from the Verizon store. I used okay. their Wi-Fi. Yes, and then Evan said he, uh, he was going to physically prevent us from taking Austin stuff until he saw that I had my gun. The only reason he didn't beat us up was because I was armed. And I said, do yep. I need to come over? How are you still texting me? <laughs> because if you remember when he came out, he was, he was aggressive. He was very, he was posturing. He was blocking the doorway. He, yeah. yeah. And the comment about, well, ask Evan what he's carrying mm-hmm. was a, a pivotal moment. And it because... would have been very possible for him to just go in there and get my journal and be holding it when he came out. It was it was a display of, I'm trying to look more powerful than I am. Mm-hmm. Because they've taken my journal multiple times when I was a teenager. Right. Um, <laughs> it wasn't new. Right. So it wouldn't have been weird for him to be... Ho- I mean, it would have been weird, but it wouldn't have been weird in the, the context of what they normally did for him to right. just be straight up holding it. Right. And then um, at one, uh, Evan says that she's using Wi-Fi. Um, and at that point, we, I decide to come over. And just to lighten the mood, Evan <laughs> said, you don't have to come over if you're busy. And I said, I'm doing a face mask. <laughs> so while all of this is happening, <laughs> my skin is getting pampered. <laughs> that so is I, great Caroline I'm glad I could be so useful um, that's why you then, were so glowing when you showed up I was just such a shining light I knew you looked good <laughs> <laughs> and then I arrived at Evan's apartment at 8.32pm and then I got home at 10.49pm and I texted Evan and said that I was home and then Evan, you asked me, are you okay? <laughs> we and, and Evan and I do that all of the time. Um, my ex, whenever we were dealing with parental stuff, because the, the shit kept going, um, like I was, <laughs> I was always going, are you okay? Are you like mentally stable with all of this? <laughs> See, my thinking is I'm used to this. I can take exactly. it. Caroline hasn't had to deal people. with this. Yeah. Um, um, uh, can I say one more thing that I said yes, in the text yeah. thread and then you can share because we have screenshots of other things too, Austin. I really, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to come this prepared. Um, I said, I love you to Evan. I said, I love you more than your parents love being dramatic. Ooh. 
And Evan said, that's a shit ton of love. <laughs> I so, hope you know when you just read that just now, I, I did the whole like one hand backwards on the hip, the other down, like, woo! <laughs> 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 um, so one more thing I do want to share is a screenshot that we have of a Facebook message from Anne-Marie to Caitlin. Oh, yeah. Um, so through all of too. this, Anne-Marie, after Eric and Anne-Marie cut us off from everything, like cut off any way for them to communicate with us, then they go around and they message your girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could read which, more Which, by the way, she immediately screenshotted and sent to me. I don't know what they thought would happen when they did that, but. (laughs) And this is the comment that I wanted to share. It's from Anne-Marie. It says, just one more. (laughs) (laughs) Just one more concern and then I'll leave you alone. Evan believes homosexual behavior is perfectly good as long as it is consensual. I am afraid of what Austin will be encouraged to do or exposed to while with Evan. That is my biggest concern for Austin right now. So Austin, Evan, I hope you know that you are most definitely my pimp. (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted you to to tell everyone about all of the gay things that I forced you into and exposed you to while you were staying with me. Yeah, I mean, it was honestly very traumatizing to have a male cat sleep in the same bed as me. Um, I felt like I felt like homosexuality was shoved down my throat mm. um, yeah. by by that. Um, and I just, I was so uncomfortable that I have photos of like the cat and just sleeping. Mm. Yeah. But, but Sans is a girl, never mind. So yeah, no, no, no gay shit. Sorry. <laughs> no gay <laughs> shit. No. <laughs> no, no, we didn't have to. No. Yet. No, we didn't have fit at this time, but he was oh. somewhere else, I guess. Oh, okay. He might have been doing his board and trade thing. Mm. Yeah. Now, I anyway. will say that your clothing style, just, that w- that it's always been gay. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's But fair. then again, me too. Me too. So, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... So, in this, this conversation, after Evan sends me that screenshot and explains what's happening... I again say, holy shit, because, you know, what else, are you what supposed else do to you say? say? <laughs> and I said, I can't. This is insane. Your mom is out of control. And Evan said, yesterday when she was screaming at me to not let him flush his life down the toilet like I have mine, I literally said, oh, that's incredibly sweet of you. It's nice. I remember that. So highly of me. I said, because again, I don't know what to say because this is so insane. I say, she's such a piece of shit. I hope you recognize how crazy this is. I would like to point out that in the two and a half years since I flushed my life down the toilet, I have gotten a full ride to a private university. I'm starting my own business and I'm finally happy for once in my life. So I definitely flushed Mm. my fucking life. Hell yeah. 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 Yeah, well, speak, that's a perfect segue. Um, what does life look like for you now? Um, with family and contact, but also what does life look like for you personally? Honestly, um, my life has always been a little chaotic and turbulent. Um, and I'm kind of used to it and kind of like it now. Um, mm. But that being said, I do like the stability that I'm getting. Um, 
I think I mentioned this before to you. There hasn't been a time since I moved out. Well, let me back up. I left home with a little under $300 in my bank account. Um, that was before I got my own phone plan, um, before I started paying car insurance, all of that. So that, that money that was there was gone very quickly. <laughs> um, but in the two and a half years since then, there hasn't been a single month where I didn't need a bill. Um, financially speaking, sure, there have been times where like I had two bucks in my account before I was paid and then the bills came out a couple of days after that, but I haven't mm -hmm. missed a single bill. Um, and every need that I've had has been met. Um, mm -hmm. So as far as instability goes, I'm pretty fairly stable. Um, and at the end of the day, I would much rather be able to make my own decisions, be happy with my life and with the people that are in my life, and just have good mental health than have the stability of um, an owned house and um, a consistent cell phone plan. <laughs> a, a guaranteed cell phone plan or whatever um so life right now is honestly pretty good um shitty things still happen of course um i just had a relationship end, um a year and a half long relationship end that sucked but i also have the emotional tools at this point to deal with shitty stuff like that um mm -hmm. really didn't have before um, and so things will definitely come up where I can still see results of the trauma, um, and people that are close to me can still see results of the trauma, the way I approach things, the way I think about things, the way I overthink things. Um, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, um, I am in a significantly better place. Um, I don't have any communication with them right now. Um, I actually reached out to them about a month or so ago, um, and I, I told them I would love to fix things, but these are the boundaries that I need in place. I said, a year ago, these would not have been ultimatums, but they're ultimatums now because I have nothing else to lose. Um, mm -hmm. I said, A, you will never talk about my siblings when they're not there. Mm -hmm. um, and B... I'm an adult, I'm 20 years old, and adults don't openly criticize and shame people for life decisions. So you mm -hmm. will not comment on my life decisions or tell me what I'm doing wrong with my life because I'm an adult and I can make those decisions. I said, I, I haven't learned all there is to learn, but I don't need that coming from you. If I mm -hmm. want advice, I will ask you for advice, but until then, don't give it. And their response to that was um, basically no. Um, <laughs> they said, um, in order for us to have contact, we would have to go to Christian, Christian group counseling together. And I said, we've tried that. They were like, you can choose the counselor. I said, we've tried that too. Um, <laughs> you always find a way to turn it back into a way to control me or manipulate me mm -hmm. or just guilt me. Um, so I said, this is, this is the way it would need to happen. And if you're not okay with that, then it won't happen. Um, and 
left it there. Um, so I don't have contact now. Um, and honestly, I'm okay with that because um, I'm at a place in life where I don't need them. Mm-hmm. I would love to have them, but I don't need them. Mm-hmm. One last question before we wrap this up today. Would you do it all over again? Yes. There are aspects of it that I hope to God I never have to do again. Um, and there are def- definitely things that I would have, I would do differently if I did do it again. But at the end of the day, I don't regret anything. Well, thank you so much for your candidness. Are you willing to talk to me? Um, thanks for, yeah, thanks for your honesty. Thanks for telling yeah. your story. Honesty is the least that I can give at this point. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining me on Girl Found this week. I hope that you analyze your priorities, your life so far, and you look at everything that's happened so far. And if you can't answer, yes, I'd do it again. Live a life that you can.